0: Yeah, before we get uh, into uh, the declared matter and uh, the medium-term budget policy statement, we first kick things off uh, with some company news and the latest happening out in the markets. A market analyst, Bandila Matandela, is my guest this evening. Mdaga Matandela, masuwa good evening.
1: Man, buli, zaaya, galimine, mzanz, mzanz, go.
0: Hegea pile, I want us to maybe start off with the Fushini group. Um, yes. I mean, this is an interesting set of numbers here. Uh, on the one hand, um, not only just in terms of the you know, revenue itself, but I'm interested in the channels uh, in this very uncertain moment uh, that they were able to get some of their sales
1: yeah so i mean i think very interesting right but i suppose i uh it's, it's important to always look at these numbers with context right when we mm. are looking at year-on-year growth we need to also remember that this is you know off of the back of 2020 where we saw complete shutdown of almost the global economy so you almost expect that as the economy rebounds you know a lot of these organizations are going to begin to rebound as well but it's it's actually been interesting to look at that uh, growth in, in 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 sales within the fortune group right because if you look at that growth a significant number of it uh, comes from the clothing uh, industry. Um, well, the clothing segment. Um, you've got the jewellery segment, which for me was a bit surprising. You know, to say that we in a in a in a global economy where there's not really much growth, but people seem to be making a lot of purchases um, of jewellery. What would be deemed, you know, sort of a a luxury good. Homeware was also up, which to me I think made made sense. You know, as a lot of people begin to work from home. You 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 are uh, expecting that they'll begin to make their homes more comfortable, and I think what was also interesting uh, is the growth of their online sales. You know, now their online channel uh, accounts to about ten percent of their total group retail sales. So I think this, a, this has been interesting. But for me, you know, on the back of to the fact that just we're coming on for, like from um, sort of a closure of the entire global economy, mm. it, it does make sense to see this rebound, you know, as, as the economy begins to open up, as people begin to to go to more again, we are going to see a lot of these organizations rebounding. Um, but I think it's important to look at the context and seeing where are they rebounding from. For me, what would be a better comparison is actually looking at the current numbers um, versus pre-COVID numbers. And mm. I think that would be... Would give a better reflection in terms of performance in any company as a matter of fact.
0: Sure, sure. But talk to me about the different segments here that have driven these numbers. I mean, this is still very much a clothing business. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm interested in I guess uh, the movement of cell phones. Yes, less than a tenth of all of the you know, stuff they've moved. But um, I mean, yeah, yeah I guess uh, interesting to look at that contribution to a turnover. Yep. Uh, jewelry coming in at just 3.2%. Uh, but I mean, we can't overlook uh, that uh, this omni-channel strategy might be bearing some fruit. I mean, if you're getting just over a tenth of your sales yeah. via yeah. retail channels in a segment of the market where 10 years or five years ago you weren't even playing there, uh, I think that's something noteworthy.
1: Definitely. And I, I mean, I think it probably then just sort of opens up this conversation around, you know, uh, well, what ways retail going from here? You know, I think we saw uh, traditional supermarkets a couple of years ago going towards sort of the money market route, where you you know they start tempering into the space of financial institutions. But what we what I, what I think we're beginning to see is that retail centres are becoming sort of a one-stop shop of some sort. And in whatever way you can augment your, your, your categories or your channels, um, you, you definitely should be. And I mean, I think for Fortuny Group to have about nearly 10% of their contribution from cell phones, that speaks a lot of volumes, you know, and, um, and for me, it, it it's just around you know, as as people go to retail centres, you know, you want to have that value add. What else can you sell that someone who's already at that store would look, to, would most likely look to 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 purchase? And I think it's probably also a, an interesting um, uh, insight for 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 smaller organisations, you know, for SMEs that are coming up, uh, whether it's small chain stores or whether it's someone running a local supermarket, to say what other products could you potentially add into your into your into your shelves? Because seemingly you know, clothing, home wear, cosmetics, jewellery, cell phones. You know, that's a broad. Um, uh, uh, sort of product or categories, and so for me, I think it, it it just shows that there's definitely room to say, you know, although I'm a traditional clothing retailer, um, there's other products which I could potentially sell in my stores. Where this actually goes going forward is going to be mm. interesting because it's cell phones today, you know, who knows what it is tomorrow, and and at at what point do we begin to see retailers from different segments or from different industries begin to merge? and 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 provide one sort of a one stop shop you know mm-hmm. which I think we begin to see with with, with retailers that we can play in game where there's clothing uh, there's, there's 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 food within that same space um you know and Woolworths has done it quite well, although they do separate the stores. It might be interesting to see where to from here in terms of just merging the various product- categories as well as industries into one into one store you know I think definitely worth worth noting and very interesting to see mm-hmm. what will actually happen and how other retailers will begin to react to
0: this. Sure, sure. Let's go uh, upstream in the value chain. Now we know a dissolving pulp is uh, one of the yep. inputs into textiles and uh, garment production and uh, some of the clothes that uh, uh, the TFG group would be selling and uh, the, large, uh, the world's largest producer of uh, the stuff uh, is SAPI, South African operator and uh, it seems they have turned the corner back into profitability This on the back of uh, a much stronger demand coming through from some of their key export markets.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think for me, that was quite, quite significant rebound, right? Rebounding from a loss of about 134 million U.S., for so about a, a, a profit of 13, you know. But I think, again, expected higher. You know, um, the global supply chains have, have opened up. The, the economy is opened up. And if you just consider just in South Africa alone, you know, um, the economy has opened up. And, I mean, they were affected significantly by that civil unrest, um, which, the, the, you know, uh, for me, you know, I think I think this makes sense. You know, we, we're trading again. They're exporting. They're importing again. So for me, these numbers definitely make sense. Um, and you would imagine that they'll continue to grow um, from strength to strength from here onwards. But um, not, not really surpri- surprising on, on my side. Again, looking at the base of where they come from, where almost the entire economy was, the global economy was shut down. You know, inhibitors up about 40% year-on-year, uh, group sales about 14.2% year-on-year. So for me, definitely... Um, uh, one that does make sense, whether or not you know it continues for, for the foreseeable future is going to be interesting. We do, of course, understand that they're going to be resuming some of their capital expenditures and extension within the Durban uh, Port area. But um, I think a uh, good showing from Satip, uh, and to me, no, no real surprises. Again, you know, back on that point of, you know, it's important to always look at where we are rebounding from, you know. Um, for me, these numbers are, are, are going to make sense when we compare them to pre-COVID numbers to really mm. see what the impact and what the growth really is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Multi-choice, uh, they're an interesting set. And uh, I guess... Uh, You know, uh, Calvo Mawela and his team there will uh, be very, very happy with uh, the numbers they've posted here. Uh, And uh, of course, on the profit side of things, managing to renegotiate some of the uh, broadcast rights for, you know, uh, sports programs. Saw a return of uh, massive global sports events, you know, uh, uh, British and Irish Lions tour. Uh, We saw some of the uh, football coming back in earnest, uh, Euro 2020, Tokyo Olympics. And, uh, yeah, this certainly contributed, I guess, to the surge they saw in their advertising numbers.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think multi as you rightfully say, they've benefited largely on on the return of sports, right? And, and that has also, to an extent, driven the revenue on the, on the advertising front, um, as well as subscription front. You know, we we had significant, we had a lot of number of sporting events happening this year. As you mentioned, you know, the, the, the Euro, the Olympics, the Alliance Tour, the F1 event. You know, so 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 this does make sense, and I mean, if you look at well, the fact that they've grown about um, one million new subscribers that have been added, uh, 90-day subscribers in Mm. this current year. So for me, these numbers definitely. Um, makes sense. I mean, I think in South Africa the, the growth has been slightly subdued, owing uh, to you know customer spending and, and and all of that. But in the rest of Africa, they've really experienced um, accelerated growth. And again, also the of the back of the major sporting events. You know, it's interesting to see there that um, a large a large a large part of their um, their growth actually has been around subs- uh, subscription revenue, meaning that um, p- perhaps also affect that as, as as more and more people begin to work from home. Um, they're more likely then to begin to take the subscriptions. But um, a good showing for, for, for multi-choice. Um, and it will be interesting, um, again, to see how, how they actually do going forward because, you know, there's always been this pressure mm. around the SVODs that are coming in and, and taking a huge chunk of the market. and uh, But it seems like, so far, they are able to navigate um, those competitive uh,
0: landscapes. Yeah, I guess they also have, a, in a sense, a play in a VOD space. Uh, because, yep. I mean... You know, one of the sister entities, I don't know if it's a subsidiary or it's a direct subsidiary of the parent company, Showmax. Um, yeah. There's a seeming, I guess, you know, uh, what do they call it? Sharing of the asset base that they have, which are all of the content properties mm-hmm. uh, that would mm-hmm. uh, sit on their platform across those two platforms. Uh, one would think there's some lessons that they're learning there um, around how best to monetize that particular model and uh, really take some of the advertisers across into that one.
1: Yeah, I definitely think. so. I mean, I think if you if if you remember the entry of um, their competitor into this market, Netflix, you know, there was a lot mm. of uh, noise around how they potentially are being left behind. I think they've done quite well in terms of covering um, recovering in that market. And, and and as you say, you know, they've got the opportunity to be able to share content across various platforms, therefore um, uh, being able to maximize on on, on margins. You know, uh, whether or not this is this is quite significant, I'm, I'm not really too too, too aware. I am. Uh, Uh, And I think for me, uh, ShowMax does present a huge opportunity um, for for, for multi-choice to to, to stake their claim within that SVOD space. And also the fact that, you know, they don't have to uh, necessarily produce specific content for the show, and they're actually using content across platform must uh, surely help their margins. Whether or not they're going to continue, uh, perhaps, uh, and maybe there's, 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 there's an argument to be made to say, if they had specific content that was only on Showmax, you you'd have more people subscribing, but I'm, I'm sure they've got a team that's looking into that. But for me, it's an interesting business, and I think if they leverage um, the, the content properly, uh, and I mean from the same asset base, from the same investment, they could almost see double revenues. Um, but what I'd do what, what would be interesting to see though, I, is how many people have Showmax that don't have GSTV. You know, I think for me that would begin to, 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 to give us an indication of their real play within the space because I think a lot of people the show makes becomes an added on. Uh, because they already have DSTV. For me, it would be interesting. And I mean, if I was at Showmax, I'd probably be looking at those numbers. How many people do we have outside of the parent company? And whether or not, you know, we want to be targeting those people is probably another question, because I think currently the flow is people subscribe for DSTV, then they subscribe for Showmax. It would be interesting to see how many people would then end up subscribing for DSTV off of the back of subscribing for Showmax. But uh, uh, interesting and good showing for multi-choice nonetheless.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, You make an interesting point because I would think that that number wouldn't be very large because in many ways, you know, the reason why many people, and I've certainly heard this from uh, a few people, you know, over the years I've spoken to, one of the critical value adds of the multi-choice platform happens to be the access to sports rights that they have. Uh, mm-hmm. which in many ways is closely linked to their subscriber revenue numbers and also uh, to the ad, ad revenue that they're able to uh, claw in. Are, are you seeing any changes in that space and uh, uh, any potential for some of the EVODs to compete with them there? Because we've also seen these guys take live TV, which includes their sports offering, uh, onto uh, virtual on-demand platforms as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be very difficult to compete with them on that particular front, right? Mm. Because they've got the advantage in terms of um, negotiating the contracts with live sport. Um, so I think, yeah, and I mean, it's going to be for me. They, they haven't launched Showmax Sport, right? Is for me probably an indication as well, uh, and an admission from them, you know, to say that perhaps there's people who only who are still only on DSTV because of sport, and outside of that sport. Um, uh, There would be in a market that only has a a sport option. So I think it's a counter move, right? If if, if Netflix were to introduce something like that, I think a lot of people would immediately leave uh, DSTV. So I think for them it was quite proactive. Um, But I think for me it would be very difficult for any any new uh, sort of player within that market to compete, particularly on the sport element, unless they were able. You know, I think there was an introduction a couple of years ago of iFlix, um, that negotiated some um, licenses over the NPA and all of that. I think a player that will then come into the space would have to have a lot of financial muscle uh, to be able to 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 make inroads into the space. Mm. But I think um, multi choice is primarily positioned to be able to really um, be a market leader in this in, in this segment, particularly with the addition of sport within that video on demand um, platform. For me, I think that will set them uh, um, uh, set them apart from the rest.
0: Mm. Yeah, medium-term budget policy statement, also the other big news today, Bandile, and uh, we didn't hear much by way of violence or new appropriations or special appropriations for the SOEs, which is something uh, whenever the October mini-budget comes, we've come to anticipate.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, interesting, you know, um, the minister, uh, well, Treasury as a whole, I suppose, taking a stand that um, they will no longer be just bailing out the SOEs. Mm. Uh, but of course, they did mention that there was a special um, um, sort of purpose vehicle that's created to continue supporting ESCOM, but this is all within that, um, the existing $350 billion. Um, government guarantee facility. But, uh, an interesting stance being taken, um, by, 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 by Treasury. Whether or not how far they're going to be able to push this is going to be interesting, right? Because one of the reforms they said that, um, SOEs that are struggling, they need to urgently implement reforms that will help them stabilize. And one of those reforms, right, would be the privatization of uh, certain parts of these SOEs and how this will be accepted, one, from a political perspective and also just the implications and how the unions will react to this will be be rather interesting. So I think it's one thing to say that you're not going to allocate anything to the budget right now, but when it comes to, you know, the practicality of it and uh, a situation where now people are not being paid and there's issues of privatization, I think um, there's going to be a lot of political hurdles that um, they're going to have to, to 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 go over. But interesting and a very strong stance taken by the new minister in his um, baby budget speech. Mm.
0: You know, one of the other things that I found very interesting in this particular speech, and you could hear it in some of uh, the references. I mean, one was saying, look, you know, we're not going to play around with this windfall. We know it's a temporary thing. We're not going to make permanent decisions mm. based on, mm. you know, 120 billion rand or so more. Uh, or better-than-expected collection um, than what we had forecast when the budget was delivered in February by uh, Titumboweni. Uh, so so I guess there's that message, but there's also this message that there's still a, a commitment to the path of fiscal consolidation and getting a primary budget surplus by 2024. Uh, what do you make of that, Bandile? I mean, I think many people know what I think of that. So. <laughs> no,
1: I mean, I think it's it's, it's interesting, right? And uh, And for me, I've never really fully I mean I understand right you wanna be in a in a in a in a good financial position but you know i i share your, I share your sentiment uh aya in in, in in just asking you know once we've got the surplus then what what are we going to do with the surplus what's the mm. intention of the surplus right isn't the whole point to try i mean we we, we in a situ- we in a country where high unemployment we are in a country where there's mm. so so much inequality um what's the real intention about the surplus if it's not being invested back into the yeah, economy and yeah. benefiting the people of south Africa so for me you know the question would be right there you know and, and, and I understand you know we do want to be in a good financial position but we need to really um, understand why is it that we want this surplus and Mm -hmm. what exactly are we going to be utilizing it, particularly in the context of South Africa right now with high unemployment, because we then need to be utilizing this to hopefully create these opportunities of employment and also uh, bridge this inequality gap. So for me, it's not enough to simply say we want a surplus. You know, we need to really think through exactly why we want the surplus and exactly what are we going to do with the surplus so that we ensure that it benefits the people of South Africa and not just have a surplus for the sake of having a surplus. Mm.
0: And, you know, I mean, this is not to say, Bandil, and and maybe let me qualify um, why I agree with you. This is not to say that we're making the case for runaway deficit spending, uh, just spending money on things that we can't even quantify and whatever. Nor are we saying that let's reach unsustainably high levels Mm. of debt, right? Mm. But I think Mm. the point for me is when you are faced with a type of social context, highest unemployment in the world, highest inequality in the world, you've just had a a riotous last few months, um, and still the aspiration is to run a primary budget surplus by 2024. I'm not sure Mm. what what part a primary budget surplus plays in a credible growth story for South Africa, because we've got a growth problem. Um, yep. So so what, what part does the surplus play in a credible growth story? This is not to say that deficit spending has really uh, been positive, which was a point, I guess, you know, uh, um, uh, the finance minister was making. But one of the reasons for that is because the allocations at national are sometimes not spent at a local level. Mm. And we see it. I mean, you know, there was one uh, case we saw, I think, today uh, in one of the budget votes, which I found very interesting. I think it was the... Um, Uh, I'll come back to it, I'll I'll mention it, but I found it very interesting that, oh yes, it was infrastructure spending uh, on schools, Um, now, you know, taking uh, nearly 23.5% of the targeted sanitation delivery for many of the schools, and we remember the Michael Komape story, uh, and then wiring that to buy workbooks. Now, I don't know, Gemna Bandile, how some of these decisions, uh, you know, are made uh, within the budget office. But I'd be really interested, I guess, uh, to understand that particular aspiration here, budget surplus. But, but I want to thank you for taking time out to speak to us.
1: And I'll definitely be listening in because I think for me, this is a very interesting point that you're making. And mm. I think one, that we should be, we should be really asking you know particularly and and again it's the point of in the social context social economic mm. context that we're in you know it's not
0: triple good sessions in the area call up the squad and get ready for the night of your life after the tough year it's been you're allowed to live it up with friends and celebrate all the wins you've bagged to stand a chance to win tickets to experience live performances by tkz morafe and dj vigilante at the nest at johannesburg on the 18th of november just buy a bottle of grant's whiskey tag grant's whiskey on social media while you're enjoying it with your crew and you could be joining us use hashtag triple good sessions hashtag grants whiskey yeah 16 minutes it is before the top of the hour bandile let's allow you to complete that point because uh yeah we uh ended up having a bit of a challenge there with uh our spot break but uh do complete that point and uh yeah uh because that's on the other side
1: no no i think my point was just to say you know it's a definitely necessary conversation you mm. have to say it's not just a matter of having a surplus. We need to then be thinking about what we're going to do with that surplus within the context of our social setting. But other than that, that I'll make sure that I tune in as well because definitely you forgot,
0: No, indeed. and we'll come back to that this evening with Ndumiso uh, Hatebe And uh, I guess the point I was making earlier on uh, is uh, yeah, if you look at some of these numbers that are coming through here uh, you know uh, basic education department government had planned to build 21 schools by september only seven built uh, less than 25 percent of target sanitation delivery met 210 million rand rolled over 97 million taken allocated to workbooks uh, and yeah we'll touch on sanitation and human settlements with a picture is also not looking too good